he was sort of uh, a teacher at a school for um, um, indigent uh, boys. Um, and because he was an administrator there, Wait, it, it indigent that, or indigenous? What'd you say? It, or boys indigent, like as in oh, like indigent. All right. Yeah, um, and that he would most likely would have like stayed behind to uh, care for them uh, because nobody else probably would have. Right. Nobody else knew to give him Pepto Bismol for indigestion. <laughs> <laughs> Hardburn, stomach indigestion. North Korea. Hey, Pepto Bismol. They call them the Gerd Boys. He's making a. Uh, he's making like Pepto from a still. <laughs> what is this mash? <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve along with the other Steve. Me, be, me, me, me. And Ryan. Did you guys know that you can get a burial plot for like 800 bucks in Gainesville? Yeah, but who the fuck wants to be buried there? Is that whole town a pet cemetery with cemeteries? <laughs> I've added an additional. Steve knows my bury, uh, my death wishes, which is to be um, sent whole, like whole body, no cremation, into space. Like just naked. No coffin, nothing. Just I, I want, I want future astronomers to look up and just see my frozen dick in space. Just, you know? I want, I want just one day to read like a news article about like this, this frozen twig and berries that just go slaps a spacecraft across the windshield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ISS exploded Take. today when the inertia from Mister <laughs> Mister Steve's dick flew through the front shielding. Yeah. No, I want that, but I, I've come up with another one that I saw on uh, TikTok, because I follow some like uh, blacksmiths on TikTok. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you can get cremated and have your cremains incorporated into a sword, and I was like, oh, I'm going to do cool. that, and I'm going to send it to my relative. <laughs> that sounds metal as fuck. Fuck yeah, right? Like That shit's baller, dude. See, I just want my remains to be scattered all around Disney, but I just don't want to be cremated. You know what well, I'm saying? Well, you know, we there, can make we can make that happen. You know, there I mean? are people who do that. Yeah, you could just you can just. Like, I don't want can... to be cremated though. Oh, I oh. see. So you just want your <laughs> remains? I tell you what, Ryan, I could make that happen. You just you just wanted to be like the coast off of like Nova Scotia, or wherever, where all those uh, those feet were washing up. Yeah, I just want to be able to be walking through the park and just find a finger. <laughs> what yep. is that? Uh, so this guy's. This guy's last wishes were to just be buried all around Disney. Uh, so he chopped them up to a bunch of little pieces and just kind of threw them out of a helicopter. <laughs> no, we'll just we'll just like drone drop you, dude. We'll just like have a drone like carry a different like your shoulder, you know, just drop it in the park somewhere. <laughs> mommy, mommy, a shoulder, a scapula. <laughs> it's my Disney dream come true. <laughs> drop it, drop it right by uh, the old Ellen's Energy Experience, which isn't there anymore. I don't know. I don't know anything it's, about it's, this. It's all about the body at Epcot. Uh, it, but speaking of uh, dreams coming true, um, who are we talking about this week? <laughs> we're gonna, Buzz we're gonna be talking about yeah, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Listen, let's just get out of the way right now. Joe Brandon just, stole the election. I'm the Buzz Lightyear. New Buzz Lightyear looks like he believes the election was stolen. The new picture of Buzz Lightyear, yo, he looks like the prototypical chud. Like even down to like the dimple in his chin, little butt chin. Yeah. Oh my God, that's terrible. Oh God. Anyway. Yep. I think he has like like an underwear on. You know how they put like text on those like 
underwear you can buy like neondies and stuff you can get it on like the yeah. elastic band yeah. his just yeah. says jews will not replace us you know just- <laughs> <laughs> on the on the band like those designer like underwear or whatever god damn it buzz he's just you got black fucking underwear asshole. With, the, with a blue stripe across the waistband yep <laughs> yep god damn it hey buzz why don't you stop toying with us <laughs> hey turn your body cam back on buzz you can you can buy the the toys from the movie based on the toys from the movie Toy Story. <laughs> I'm not going to stop uh, until we take the evidence that we have to infinity and beyond. <laughs> In the movie, he has to get uh, JFK Jr. out of cryo sleep so, <laughs> so he could become like the 19th president of the United States or whatever. Did you see that meme? They were I sent all you. illegitimate after the 18th. Did you see that? Did you see that that TikTok I sent you yesterday? Uh, last which one? Night, which you, was you just sent me a couple. It, it was a picture of JFK like aged up. Oh, and it said, oh yeah. It said about... JFK if Kyrie was the shooter. Yeah. Oh my if, god. <laughs> Kyrie and KD were the shooters, and JFK yeah. lives long, <laughs> lives a long life. It's <laughs> the worst. If you fuck the Nets, by the way, fuck them. At least. At least Kyrie has the excuse that, that he has like Ramadan other than his like crazy like like beliefs. Which is like one of the weirdest things about Kyrie Irving, because like if you if you like when you found out he was like Muslim with all this like vaccine stuff, you'd expect he'd be on some like weird like like holistic like nature religion thing. Nah. Hotep. Almost I, I figured it'd be I figured it'd be Hotep. <laughs> Kevin Durant just seems like like one day I think he's totally fine, you know. And then, like the next day, he just seems like he's a like an asshole. I don't know. I just see different things, like different clips. It's like, I not a good guy. Right. He's not consistent. He's very inconsistent. Yeah. I, I prefer the players like Zion Williamson, who's just Zion's like a, great. Um, who's just like a, a grown child. Yeah, I prefer Zion's Muggsy great. Bogues. Muggsy Bogues was great. I, we yeah. go into that Jordan story where Jordan just ruined his game. Well, I was just talking about more of the fact that we've turned him into a, a measuring unit. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we I think we've gone over a Bogues for our intro, so let's uh, let's let's go. I still don't even know who we're talking about. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the cards here. Uh, Steve, why don't you rate it off? Uh, Who are we talking about? (laughs) Let me let me get a good look at it. All right, Uh, get a new focus. So today we're going to be talking about the permanent guests of North Korea. Uh, Wait, and these are these are people uh, mainly. Through the lens of American defectors to North Korea, that we know about some of these people, um, because we'll find out, this will be a two-part episode, but we'll find out that a number of them are people who were uh, kidnapped and taken to North Korea against their will for different purposes. Mm. So, uh, okay, so we're talking about people who have, for one reason or another, gone to North Korea and not come back. Yes, and when I say defectors, uh, the majority of the the people that we'll talk about that we know about in depth, they are actually like military defectors. They were soldiers who went over to North Korea mainly in the sixties for different reasons. Wait, wait, Most- wait, 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 wait! You're talking about defecting to 
Yeah, North they Korea. defect to North Korea. Hell what kind yeah. of smooth-brained fucking asshole we'll, goes to we'll, North Korea? We'll, we'll get to that. And also the fact <laughs> that it was in the 60s, where I don't think a lot of them knew about North Korea. And we'll also go to what they expected would happen when they defected. Um, you, you, we'll come to find out that the majority of them did not expect to stay in North Korea. Oh, Ryan, okay. a couple weeks ago, you were high, and you made the comment <laughs> that we have similar rights in North Korea and the United States. There's no fucking way I said that. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> There's no fucking way. I the review clip. these podcasts. The <laughs> <laughs> Find the fucking clip. There's no way. <laughs> Steve's just going to go on Mori on us. He's going to, like, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Quaid, as uh, he, like, puts on his reading glasses and looks Steve, at the cards. Steve uh. is going to take 69 episodes worth of the Trilateral Troika and put together like they did with Dan Brown's history thing and he's gonna put it together where I'm saying wow North Korea sounds like a great place to live you can't clip that right there either no clip you just you just gave me everything I needed right <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great that's hilarious the uh. first defector we're gonna talk about is actually not a soldier and it's arguable if she actually is a defector because of the situation in which she becomes a defective a permanent <laughs> resident of a of North Korea, would that make you defective? Yes. Well, in, in, yes. in her case, yes. it it is like somewhat like against her will, and and we'll we'll get to that her her situation. Most so kid, her name most kidnapping is wait, against yeah, her yeah, will. Wait, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. well she hey, wasn't she wasn't kidnapped. Oh, this, this okay. Woman. So this this woman, her name was uh, Anna Wallace. Uh, so, um, or it, it's sometimes transliterated as su, S-U-H, yeah. but in, but in Korean it's S-E-O, which I think is like, is like Seo. Yeah. Something like that. So, um, yeah. so, so Anna was, uh, she was born in 1900 in Lawrence County, Arkansas to Albert B and, um, and Jane Wallace. I'm going to make the um, argument that North Korea might be better than Arkansas. Uh, you know what? <laughs> Without giving you anything to clip, I'm gonna agree with that. <laughs> she she was the she was the youngest of six children, um, and her her parents died at, when she was at a young age. Um, so her mother died between sometime between 1900 and 1910, according to the census, um, and her father died in October of 1914. Hmm. Okay, um, she would move to Oklahoma to stay with a sister after that. Um, where she would attend uh, Southeastern State Teachers College in Durant, Oklahoma, um, and she would become a member of of the student volunteer movement. Marginally um, improving her living conditions going from Arkansas to Oklahoma. So, <laughs> marginally, her, marginally, marginally, much better. <laughs> in, her, um, in her junior year, she would attend the organization's uh, convention in Detroit in 1928, and in 1929 she would transfer to uh, Skerritt College for Christian Workers, um, which was a uh, an institution that trained Methodist uh, missionaries um, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, she would graduate in 1930 with a BA. Um, that same year, she would go on a mission to Korea. That's the police um, just going by my house because we're talking about North Korea. They're going to come get me. They're just trying to keep the problem. They're just watching well. you. <laughs> <laughs> they've got they've got a parabolic mic pointed at your house. Yeah. <laughs> She would go as a missionary to Korea, um, at, which at that time, as as I've said before, was a Japanese colony during this period. What year? The southern, 1930. 
okay. um, through the Southern Methodist uh, Conference. So that was before um, North and South Korea, right? Yeah, this is just the the Japanese uh, colony of Korea. Okay, okay. Initially, she teaches at a Methodist school, but by that time, uh, the colonial administration had largely banned foreigners from uh, proselytizing, um, and most uh, Christian missionaries would have to work, um, would have to focus on education, um, the medical fields, and also care for the uh, the indigent. Now, for those of our listeners who don't know what proselytizing means, it means being a Jehovah's Witness. That's all you have to know about it. <laughs> That's the definition, if you look it up, in Merriam-Webster. I just want to point out that because of the subject nature of what we're talking about, I just put in North Korea into Google, and it the first thing that pops up are news stories, because there's breaking news that within the last four hours, uh, Kim Jong-un has warned that North Korea could, quote, preemptively use its nuclear weapons. I saw that this morning, yeah. Bro, listen, first and foremost, dude. Sit down, okay? Don't get mad because the attention of the world is not on you currently. I need you to yeah. have a seat. Just take a it's minute. It's a classic, classic husky kid move. Yeah, pay attention to me. Listen, I need you to relax because we... The funny thing is, I honestly don't think the United States is inherently that worried about North Korea. Like, yes, South Korea is a huge issue and we, you know, allies and military bases and all that. But I think the bigger problem that North Korea faces is if they start to get a little too... uh uppity if i may use that word right now uh china i feel like will just just completely just step down on them hard yeah also you'll get banned from r slash pyongyang which is uh, <laughs> a really popular subreddit of dprk so yeah 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 but you know anyway that's my little side rant i feel like if we it's not as much our problem if it, even using that word is correct, but China's would just be like, hey, I, I need you to sit down before we really have to walk up in there and, you know, take over. Put it down. Put it down. Sit sit down. In 1936... Get off the table! <laughs> get off the shed! When do we get to Dennis Rodman? <laughs> that's in that's in part two, Steve. Hey, baby, I went to North Korea. We're, we're going to talk about the worm in the the, the second worm. part. Are we going to talk about the interview? Um. Okay. In in late nineteen thirty six, she would be appointed to serve at the uh, Seoul um, Social um, Evangelistic Center, um, and in February of nineteen thirty seven, she would uh, go on furlough um, to Skerritt College. We're not entirely sure uh, why this happened, but it might have possibly been due to um, the the Japanese becoming increasingly harsh against foreign missionaries and also on the Korean Peninsula in general as they begin um, gearing up towards uh, general uh, war um, with China and then eventually with the United States. Okay. Um, She would join the staff of the Shanghai American School um, in 1938. Uh, while there, she would meet a man named uh, Sio uh, Kyucho, um, who was a uh, a teacher there, um, who was hired to teach uh, Korean and assist the school administration. Um, okay. They would, what? I said okay. Um, they would uh, become married, um, and they would on uh, December ninth, nineteen thirty nine. They would become married. They wouldn't get married. They would become, or they they got married. They got married. Yes. Okay. It just happens, uh, dude. You're just like sitting around one day. 
<laughs> All of a sudden, boom, marriage. What's this thing on my finger? <laughs> well, when you're the, crazy, a, a priest takes a running start to just fucking fly and <gasps> kick you in the fucking well, seat. When you're crazy, <laughs> well, when you're crazy evangelical missionaries in the in the 30s, that's true. Know, it's like she was also she was also pushing uh, like 38 by that point. Also, yeah. she's Methodist, right? So no. So alcohol. she's she's already one foot in the grave. So she might as well, you know, get married at that point. <laughs> and after that, she's dropped from the roles of of missionary service, and she would lose her American citizenship because she got uh, married to a uh, what was at that time a Japanese national. Sweet. So, but why would? Because at that time, due to uh, laws for citizenship, uh, women would generally uh, have, like, they would automatically have the citizenship of their husband. They would lose their own citizenship if their their husband was a uh, foreigner. Wow. Just when I thought... <laughs> just when the I thought I or, knew was, all of the shitty things. I well, learned something... Oh, God. Well, I mean, it was like what? the 30s or the 40s. Women had, like, next to no rights. Yeah, we'll, but, we'll, bro, what the fuck? We'll, we'll get to uh, some other things that compounded that. Um, but um, after marrying um, Seo, she comes to be interested in Korean politics and also in her husband's own uh, leftist views. Um. Living in the um, living in the uh, the Shanghai International Settlement and the French Concession was a lot easier for them um, because at that time, you know, it's a very international city, so there aren't really any laws against you know miscegenation or anything like that. And it's also not fucking Arkansas. <laughs> um, there were there were also <laughs> or Oklahoma. There, I was there were also where the prevailing color is beige. There were also other uh, uh, Caucasian um, women who were married to um, Asian men um, within Shanghai during that period, so it wasn't like it was like a very odd thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I just I think the entire practice of having to take the citizenship of your husband is fucking odd, but you know, color in, be fucking weird. In in 1939, um, she would visit uh, San Francisco in an attempt to get a passport for her husband, um, but this was unsuccessful. Um, we're not entirely sure why it was. But it's assumed that because she had taken on, um, that she had married a Japanese national, and she had, um, through that process, become a Japanese uh, subject, that um, she was unable to get him a passport. And it was also still under the Asian Exclusion Act, meaning that Asians could not emigrate to the United States at that time. Huh. And I do, I do remember that. Wait, wait, but what year was that? This is in 1939. Okay, so this is before Pearl Harbor and all that. Okay. Yes. Okay. So the war is the war has happened with China and Japan. Uh, China has been pushed out of Shanghai, but all of the international settlements are allowed to keep going. Um, the The Japanese take over the Chinese parts of the city, but the international concessions are still left intact um, until those nations um, go to war with Japan. Because the second they go to war with Japan, the Japanese just come in and essentially arrest everybody who lives there. <laughs> what should we? Who should we arrest? Everyone, everybody, just they, arrest they, the whole city. In in the same hey, way about, that uh, arrest them. In the same way that Americans interred Japanese nationals during World War II, uh, the Japanese did the same with nationals from nations that they were at war with. Huh. Uh, so Americans in Shanghai they they begin to sort of like leave the city gradually. 
as um, as intentions keep growing. Um, and then they all leave. Um, most of them leave en masse um, right before war is officially declared because uh, people knew that there was going to be a war between uh, Japan and the United States by that time in December of 1941. Mm-hmm. Um, there had been there had been talks that were supposed to stall out the war, um, which the Japanese like sandbagged on. Um, and, and other things sort of led to sort of like, if you're going to get out, like now's the time to get out. Yeah. Um, the school would remain open until February of 1943 when the remaining foreign staff were forced to go to, um, the, the Chape, uh, civilian relocation center, um, which was a short distance away from the school. And when we say um, relocation center, we mean like internment camp? Yes, it was a internment camp on the campus of a university, the Great China uh, University, which is now today the East China Normal University. Um, and- <laughs> Sorry, wait, wait. So you have East China Great University and East China Normal University? Yeah. Well, it was originally the Great China University, and then today it's now the East China Normal University. But the, the word normal is in there? Yeah, uh, sometimes it's sort of a, a term that isn't really used in america that much clearly <laughs> can you look no, p- we use the term normal but it's no, 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 it's no, very no, negative no, connotation no, no, no. well a normal you, you know what i mean <laughs> a normal a normal school is a school for teaching like teachers right but we generally don't have those anymore because all universities and colleges are, are mostly like multidisciplinary. Okay, I'm thinking of the difference between, like, an honor school and a normal school and being like, yo, can you imagine being, like, the one kid out of your class has got to go to normal school and all your classmates are going, like, to the honor school? Oh, man, that's got to (laughs) suck. Like, you got to go home and tell your parents, yeah, I'm going to the normal school. Like, you're grounded. You're done. Um, Most of the the campus for the university had also been destroyed during the, uh, the Battle of Shanghai, which took place in 1937. Um, so it wasn't really being used as a university. They were mostly using the remaining buildings to inter foreign nationals. For instance, the school I taught at in China, um, Shanghai High School, the grounds of that school were an internment camp for foreign nationals. Was it like Dangerous Minds when you were over there teaching? But like Asian kids? Yeah. So like, it was, instead of like it was, Bloods and Crips, it's like Yakuza? No, that's Japanese. <laughs> you were in China. Shit. What does China have for gangs? They, none. <laughs> they, had the, they had the Tong. Yeah, like... Like eighty years ago, <laughs> I know. I'm saying it was about eighty years ago in 1930. Well, there was. There, how about there like was, this? How about like the Falun Gong? Are they in China or is that just an American thing? Well, they all they all get arrested. God damn it! Sir, sir, quote unquote dangerous. Cult. Let me tell you I mean, something. If get you want, at the end of Dangerous Minds too. I mean. Yeah, but if you want, like Falun Gong, I mean, I just got a letter from them in the mail to go see Chen Yun, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Fuck. God, that's good. See Shen Yun, a Chinese cultural <laughs> experience. Um, while she uh, entered the the um, the internment uh, camp, it, it's somewhat confused whether or not she did so willingly or if she had the option of not uh, being in there because her uh, her husband um, could have remained a, a a free subject of the Empire of Japan, being a a um, person of Korean descent, mm-hmm. um, he was a subject of the Japanese Empire, so he would not need to be interred. Okay. Huh. Um, 
it, it's possible that she went because uh, a number of the staff and parents um, would would sort of take the school's books with them, and they would continue to organize and care for the children that they taught. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, but as uh, as time went on, um, supplies would grow uh, would would sort of like go into um, shortages, and uh, women who were in the um, who were in the internment camps, who were married to nationals who fought for, or who were uh, citizens of Axis nations, such as, you know, Germany, Italy, um, Japan, um, those nations, that they were, um, that they were released. It's possible that she was also released among them. Okay. Um, Most of the people who were in the camp were Canadian or American, um, with some of them being uh, from Central uh, Europe. Um, Later on, uh, British citizens, um, would be added um, as they sort of like consolidated some of the camps as like materials grew scarce and they had to um, devote more manpower to the war. Uh, we know in December of 1943 that she stayed at the Shanghai General Hospital, uh, which had originally been a, um, a Catholic hospital, um, but the Japanese had, had taken control of it, um, though still forcing the, uh, the Catholic sisters to maintain um, and work at the hospital. Okay. Um, it, she would be formally released from uh, from the internment camp in June of 1944, um, and um, she would join uh, she would join the staff of the college, um, um, in uh, 1945 um, when they reconstituted the Shanghai American School. I'm sorry, it was a, a high school, not a college. Okay. All right. I mean, um, that doesn't really change anything functionally, though, really, right? Well, it, it just means that she continued to be like a, a teacher there, but because of the uh, post-war conditions in China were so bad, um, her and her husband would relocate uh, to Korea, um, where she would tutor children at the U.S. Diplomatic Mission School in Seoul. Ah, okay. Um, but eventually, her employment there would be terminated after it was found out that her husband had um, had been involved in left-wing activities. Uh oh. Uh oh. Shifty lefties. Which, which in like South Korea. Um, they, this was like a big thing where the, the sort of dictatorship that ruled the South would just execute people en masse for either being formerly communist or suspected of being communist. Um, for instance, there was an incident, it was called the Bodo League Massacre that happens like sort of at the start of the Korean War, where they had made this league for sort of like a reform league for people who had been like part of like communist or leftist organizations, where they told them like, oh yeah, you join this organization, and then once you've like done your time here and re-educated, like you'll, you'll have a clean record. Um, but what they did was they took all those uh, people who were in the league and they just executed them all when the war started. I see. Um, That's so, fucking awful. <laughs> and and this is all right before the um, the, uh, the Korean War kicks off. Um, so the the forces that are sort of defending South Korea collapse like immediately as North Korea invades. Uh, most of them sort of fall back. Um, that they're able to fall back. Uh, fall back to uh, Busan. Um, so because the the North Koreans move so quickly. Um, a lot of the residents are taken by surprise and they're unprepared to evacuate. And they're also sort of uh, given the uh, given a false impression of how the invasion is initially going by uh, South Korean propaganda on the radio, um, sort of lying about what the situation was. Well, that's fucked Pro- up. 
Yeah, but uh, listen, mean, uh, you... Ted Koppel said it was totally fine to just sit here and take a shit. But now North, <laughs> now North Korea's here. Fuck. You, you really think somebody would do that? Just go on the radio and tell lies? Never. Not even one time. Never. Not once. Hi, I'm it's... Dave Ramsey. <laughs> it's... Hi, I'm Orson Scott Wills. Yeah. <laughs> it's believed that they also possibly might have did stayed. Did you just combine Orson Scott Card and Orson Wells? <laughs> I do believe I did. I'm, listen, I'm really fucking baked. I believe I did. Oh my god. <laughs> so was Orson Wells. <laughs> Because uh, he was a um, he was sort of a, a teacher at a school for um, um, indigent uh, boys, um, and because he was an administrator there, Wait, it, it indigent that, or indigenous? What did you say? It, or boys with indigent, indigestion? Like as in oh, like indigent? All right. Yeah, um, and that he would most likely would have like stayed behind to uh, care for them uh, because nobody else probably would have. Right. Or nobody else knew to give him Pepto Bismol for their indigestion. <laughs> Heartburn, stomach, indigestion, North Korea. Hey, they called, they, they called him the he's, GERD boys. He's making a, uh, he's making like Pepto from a still. <laughs> what is this, mash? <laughs> um, BJ, give dur- me another shot of that Pepto. Before mm-hmm. it was pink. Um, on July 10th of 1950, um, there was a, uh, a meeting, a public meeting that was held in, in Seoul by the North Koreans, um, in which uh, 48 um, to 60 members of the South Korean National Assembly, who had been captured by the North Koreans, uh, pledged their loyalty uh, to North Korea, um, and the couple was also among those who pledged their loyalty to North Korea. Okay, but so okay, so here's my thing. The, the loyalty pledge doesn't mean anything to me, because... You know, in a time of oh, I've been captured by these people. I'll say whatever they want me to say. Just well, get killed. It's well, like saying well, I'm you, 18. On what do they do Pornhub, after this? You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, well, I'm to 18. you, Ryan, if to, to the South Korean like army unit that finds you, you you making that pledge means that you are that that you're a traitor, um, and that's like a one way ticket to a shallow grave. Yeah, but they don't understand things that are said just to, like self preservation. It, it it doesn't matter. What? Yeah, they didn't give a it, shit. It, they like, were killing people they suspected of things. Like, like if, like when they went back through areas too, there were times where like people would would put their names down or whatever, like like make a pledge just so they could get like food to eat, like like rice, like sort of like relief food, like relief aid, and that would be enough to get them like executed. Just just rice is enough. What? Like plain white rice. Yeah, like like pledging, like saying like oh, oh yeah, I agree to like 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 signing up to like. To, like pledge your loyalty or to like help the regime just to get food in order to eat like that was enough to to make you like suspect i don't oh know looks like you're hungry God. that's a little bit sus i don't know man. that's kind of sussy man hunger is sus the sussy um soon after this <laughs> um an english instructor from seoul university named uh dr lee su um he would uh he would sort of uh create a um a propaganda channel um on the korean broadcasting system um called uh, radio soul and um, radio soul went on to become the history channel <laughs> um and and anna would become a presenter at that um she would participate in daily programs um from 9 30 a.m to um 
10 15 at night local time um as early as july 18th you're listening to ksol the sound of soul stay with us for the next hour we'll have all the top jams from all your favorite soulvillians soulvillians (laughs) the soulvillians initially uh she would have um her scripts would um would sort of tell American soldiers to return uh, to the United States to their to their corner ice cream stands. Yeah, um, and would criticize the Air Force bombing campaigns on Korea, um, and would also report the names recovered from dog tags of dead American soldiers, um, usually to like a soft background music. <laughs> Any of she- you studly soldiers out there should return home to your wives and girlfriends and your jacked up pavement princesses this has been an announcement from ksol <laughs> the sound of the south oh my God. <laughs> uh... she would be given various nicknames um throughout the the war by gis they included uh rice bowl uh, maggie uh rice bowl maggie um rice ball kate um, in Soul City Sioux. Soul no, one of those have gotten come close to what her real name is. City <laughs> the, Sioux. The, the name Soul City Sioux was the one that uh, stuck, uh, would stick the most um, because it was derived from this uh, the song title uh, Sioux City Sioux, um, which was a uh, popular song by Zeke Banners from 1946. Huh. I, I, I'll trust your uh, word on that. Um, she would throughout 19 through the summer of 1950, she would announce the names of recently captured, uh, us servicemen, um, and threaten new units arriving to the country. Um, and she would also welcome warships by name as they arrived on station. Um, and also she would taunt African American soldiers, uh, for fighting for the United States, uh, even though they didn't have full, uh, rights back home. I mean, she's not wrong. Um, her her delivery though and some of her defenders would um would say that this was that she was not actually genuine in her support of the north korean regime that her delivery was very monotone um and the lack um and and also too um she was very unpopular because of this uh the north korean radio broadcasts were also unpopular because they didn't have uh popular music uh programming like the uh the germans and japanese uh english language shows did during world war ii Okay, because during World War II, soldiers would listen to these because it was also, you know, a, a channel that was playing like popular music. Mm-hmm. I love Glenn Miller. <laughs> Pennsylvania the- six five thousand. Who were some popular uh, German bands that our boys were listening to over there? <laughs> uh, Rammstein. <laughs> They, they were not, just because Till fucking Lindemann is almost sixty does not mean that he was singing back then. Do do has do has bish bap. We now bring you the best of polka. <laughs> the Pennsylvania polka. Yeah, I wish I could just defect now, but I'm already a German and I get to enjoy this fine polka music whenever I want. My name is Unter from Bavaria. <laughs> oh no. My name is Rolf, and they call me that because I am from Dusseldorf. <laughs> I was trying to get a German dude on the uh, on the ham radio last night. He's from Stuttgart. I did. Um, I was not successful. Aww. The 
the radio station would also go off the air on August 13th um, during one of her programs uh, when an airstrike was carried out on Seoul um, by uh, B-26 bombers who would drop um, 200 pounds of fragmentation bombs adjacent to the radio station's transmitter. B-26? Um, Is that the Flying Fortress? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the station would uh, come back on the air uh, a week or two later after this. Um, the KSOL, this- baby, we are back on the air. We are <laughs> unable to be canceled. Just because we had flying debris coming through our windows faster than you could believe and closer to me than any human I've ever let come to me. We're back, baby, the sound of soul. We won't let the liberal media cancel us. <laughs> KSOL. <laughs> Uh, these liberals have been doing it since back in the Korean War for dang old (laughs) the the Soos would um, they would evacuate north by truck um, when the Incheon landings uh, would take place um, and they would join the staff of Radio Pyongyang uh, where she would continue her her English language broadcasts this is WPYG Radio Pyongyang this is the music in, in 1951... <laughs> There's no um, humor in North Korea, dog. <laughs> she, had, she and her um, her husband were temporarily reassigned uh, to um, indoctrinate POWs um, at uh, Camp 12, which was a POW camp near Pyongyang. Um, and um, after which, uh, the POWs uh, were, uh, were directed to uh, continue um, indoctrinating each other uh, with Korean supervision. That's that's like oh god that's so lazy. <sighs> um, Doctorate so, yourselves. We'll be watching. <laughs> it's like now now work amongst yourselves. That's like with dad's babysitting. Like it's it's useless, man. <laughs> All right, Jack here seems to have gotten the basics of the uh, the Marxism for Dummies book. Now I want you to lead the group in this. Can you do that? Indoctrinate yourselves. I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'll give you I'm just a gonna, topic. Yeah, the uh, comrade teacher. You know, he just put on a he just put on a propaganda film, and he's smoking out back. <laughs> we having a rough day. <laughs> uh. Uh, a, a gentleman we'll talk about later, uh, Charles Robert Jenkins, a, a, a defector who comes later on. Um, he claims that he had met uh, so in his book, um, the reluctant communist. Um, although it, this has never been um, verified by anybody else. Um, he reported that after the war, she was put in charge of um, English language publications for the Korean Central News Agency. Um, and he wrote that uh, he saw her uh, photo in a 1962 propaganda um, pamphlet called I Am a Lucky Boy, um, where she was pictured dining <laughs> with Larry Allen um, Abshier, who was another uh, U.S. Army uh, defector. Was was there anything special about North Korea at this time? Like, you know how we, no, we, well, if I tell you, you know, picture Afghanistan in your head, you kind of think of something that's like bombed out, very just, you know. Well, well, North Korea had the highest, like in the nineteen mid nineteen sixties, they had the highest standard of living in Asia. So that was where I was going with that because if you look at Afghanistan in like what the forties, it's beautiful. Or the fifties, it's like beautiful. Well, the the thing about North Korea is is that North Korea was kind of like the welfare queen of the of like the communist world. That North Korea would constantly play off the the Soviet Union and the Chinese on each other to get like aid money, and, and they would sort of use that to uh, sort of build themselves up. But but gradually, what happens is 
is that in the 70s, they, they began, like, mismanaging the economy pretty severely mm-hmm. um, and investing in, in sort of, like, mining sectors and other, like, long-term um, development sectors that you have to put a lot of money and development into to get going, that by the time that they actually get going, they, they can no longer profit from the things they set them up to do. Right. Um, and because of that, it, it just sort of damages the economy. Um, and then by the time of the 90s, they no longer have the Soviet Union to get money from, so they can't really, uh, you know, keep going as they were. And very much like Cuba, they enter into sort of like um, a, a period of like famine. That's not good. Um, but at this time, like in terms of like North Korea, most Americans probably can't find it on the the like the map. Like they know it from the Korean War. But in terms of like their views on it it's it's probably not as even like nuanced as people have today about north korea in terms of like knowing who's in charge of north korea or knowing what life is like in north korea i have i couldn't tell you who's in charge of north korea oh wait no mind. we're talking about north korea i know who's north korea i thought we talking about south korea yeah it's a low kim or low kim's <laughs> low kim's son yeah kim jong-un i, I was thinking south korea because they had a woman that was president and that she was corrupt and i know they were like trying to get yeah, rid of she's, her uh, uh well, she's, she's she was like tied up. She that's, was like embroiled that's, that's with like Burma. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of uh, a Philippines Bok Chung, or something. Bok uh, Bok Chung Hee. Like there's, there's like corruption right. to do with like maybe Samsung well, her, or something. Well, she. Well, yeah, she was she was like essentially under the thrall of like um, a cultist, like like sort of like a cult leader, like like sort of like a, a Rasputin type. Yeah, uh, okay. that that had had his like claws into her since like the 70s because her father was the um um was the uh dictator of uh north korea no 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 listen listen, listen. i'm not talking i'm not korea. talking about i'm not talking about tulsi gabbard okay i'm talking about the lady <laughs> the president of south korea no well done <laughs> uh, he's serious though <laughs> it was uh, perfect park, it was perfect it was, anyway is uh park yon hye um she was she was like his only daughter um, and because like her, his wife was assassinated on like essentially on TV while uh, Park Chung Hee, who's this incredibly brutal dictator, he was giving a speech, and this uh, Japanese uh, Korean who had like snuck into the uh, Japanese to, Korean to, like, where the, make up your mind where the where the speech was going, um, and he he had gotten a gun that he had stolen from a Japanese police station, and he drew the gun and he um, he was shooting at at Park. But because he, um, because he had, uh, like, taken it out too early and he had accidentally, like, shot the gun before he got close enough to get a clean shot, he just ran down the, ran down the aisle of this, like, of, like, theater and he was just shooting wildly and he killed, um, he killed, uh, 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 Chung uh, wife. Oof. Oof. And he, he, like, continued the speech, too. Like, what? he didn't stop. What? Like, he, he just briefly stopped... To take cover, and then he continued going. Is, it, uh, but it was her name was uh, Yuk uh, Yongso, um, and and Gyonhye, she became like um, she became sort of like in the thrall of this like guru guy, and it's also because because uh, Chung Hee got he gets assassinated by the head of like the Korean CIA, which is literally mm-hmm. what it's called. Um, he, he essentially gets like 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 shot to death, like in his chair by the guy. And one of the theories is that like because he knew, 
because he knew that um that the that his daughter was like in the thrall of this like cult leader who was like incredibly corrupt and like using using her to get like special treatment that's wow. insane. That's- but it but it continued on and it, it went into all these things. Like one of the things was that like the Samsung Corporation bought a horse for this cult leader's like daughter. What? As as part of it, because like because like the cult leader's daughter did like dressage or like one of those things, and that was like part of the like in order to like get a deal done, you would have to like you know play ball. Can you imagine having clout so strong that like? Elon Musk buys you a Tesla out of his own pocket, Model S, Plaid, the, like the six-figure one, and like deliver it to your house just so that he can be good with like your parents. Can you imagine having clout like that? You could probably work that out right now. Uh, but but there was Twitter there, too. Like. But but there was a lot of there was a lot of corruption like that. Um, but um, that that would be for another episode. The the whole uh, the whole story of like Park Chung Hee is like insane and like very fascinating. Yeah, shit. Like the, the the bare minimum that I knew that it was like corruption and Samsung was like already intriguing enough, and now we're talking about like she's just in deep. Oof. Um, but uh, Jengen says that he briefly met uh Seo at a um a, at the foreigners only section of the number two department <laughs> store in uh, Pyongyang on the foreigners which, only dating site. Foreigners well, this is only. <laughs> can't shop Cause, here because in um because it's sort of like in in communist countries they sort of have a system that's almost like duty free for outsiders like so for people shop, from like market economies who are from outside the system where they can just sort of like get goods hey boy you can't shop here you gotta go down the street <laughs> oh um, god he he also claims that he was told in 1972 that Seo had been shot um, by uh, the North Koreans uh, for being a double agent in 1969, or being accused of being a double agent. Like shot and lived, or was was assassinated? Or no, executed. executed. Okay, I'll say, what the fuck is she? Fifty Cent? Like, <laughs> <laughs> go, go, go. I don't go. I don't think they have like that 19th century like rule that if like if you get hung and then you don't die from the hanging, you're you're. You get to go. You get to go. You all that. Sorry, man. You fuck. Yeah, no, well, I mean, you're using North Korean rope. You know, you really gotta. Yeah. you gotta take two but, shots. But it out. was it was the rule in a lot of places that if they tried to hang you and the hanging failed, like you lived, then then you were considered like that you had served your sentence or whatever. Yeah, it's there divine intervention. Some... You don't get two tries to kill a motherfucker. So I've heard that there's something like that with act of God in at least the that, penal system. That's what it's called. States. Yeah, that's what it's called. It's it's an act. It's considered an act of God. So you. uh you get like let go. Yeah, I don't know if I that don't works. Know how and, true that is. Yeah, I don't know how that works with like the death penalty shit that we have now. I don't know how that is. How the court I don't think is it. Like- I don't think it does. Usually, usually when they botch the death penalty with what they use now, like they just you, smother you, just, you with a pillow. No, you just die. <laughs> you just die painfully. Like you don't like. Uh, no, you just put a pillow over your face. Just hold it because because that's. Well, because that was because that was the whole thing about um, about lethal injection that they couldn't get the drugs for the proper lethal injection, and they were using other stuff. But the but the inmates that they were using it on were just dying like painfully, like yeah, obviously, well, like Steve, painfully. that's because they were using Fabuloso, and you really <laughs> don't want to inject someone with Fabuloso. <laughs> I've never, I've been to the grocery store several thousand times in my adult life. I've never seen anyone 
Anyone. I can already see him right now. Purchase like, okay. a fabuloso. So something that not everybody knows when I tell people this, it kind of blows their mind that physicians, doctors, MDs are not involved in the execution process. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The nurse, the nurse will start the IV and there are correctional officers, correctional officers that will push the drugs that will kill you and stop your heart. I can only imagine knowing where we live and the caliber of person that is correctional officers in this area being at like fucking Publix with a list to go find like lethal injection drugs. And being like, oh, p- potassium chloride. They don't have that, but I guess I could buy some bananas. They got fabuloso. I can use that. He's, he just uh, has he just has one of those um, those like hand baskets, <laughs> and he's just pushing all the acetaminophen into. <laughs> <laughs> he's put all the bananas. He's like, I know they said something about potassium. Oh, Medazolam, uh, the fabuloso. That'll work. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever drugs they have bogo on. <laughs> <laughs> you could OD on Benadryl, right? <laughs> it's Bogo. It's Bogo on Pepsi. Call them people. The them people that had the Pepto Bismol. The- <laughs> if you inject community coffee right into someone, will they die? Call them boys that used to brew that Pepto Bismol and ask them what they think. <laughs> brew it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So while we don't know her, her like immigration status, um, it's it's generally assumed though that. That if she had been recovered during the Korean War, that if um, that that if the military was able to like to like capture her, for lack of a better term, um, they would have most likely restored her American citizenship. Um, and they also they they've also said too that it was unlikely that she would have been charged with treason um, for doing the broadcast under duress. And this is KSOL, the sound <laughs> of soul. We are signing off because the bullets are hitting the bullets are hitting the walls and the mortars are hitting the ceilings. So we are signing off tonight, and we are going to leave you with the doo-wop. Have a good night, soul. Um, but after after the Korean War, um, certain pri- like uh, prisoners of war, as as part of the agreements and the armistice talks, were given the option of either. Uh, choosing to repatriate to their home country or, or the country I should say that they were fighting for um, or they were given the option to repatriate um, to a communist country or or uh, or vice versa um, so okay. the first the first exchange of prisoners that took place was of sick and wounded soldiers which was called operation little switch which took place uh, in April and May of 1950 little switch which has a completely different meaning on Twitter. <laughs> the uh <Jesus Christ. laughs> oh my god <laughs> the, the agreement that uh that no soldier would be uh would be made to repatriate uh, if they didn't wish to uh was was came to in june um um but um this had been sort of like a thing that was uh, hard for them to come to because the Chinese and North Koreans had wanted like all of their prisoners to return to uh, to their respective countries, uh, meaning that all the soldier, all the North Korean soldiers, that they wouldn't be given an option, and same for the Chinese soldiers. Wait, but but okay, but why? Because they because they want them to come back to like North Korea or China. They don't want them to go to say South Korea or Taiwan. Ah, okay. Are we um, recognizing Taiwan as a legitimate country on the trilateral trigger? Was that what we're doing? Well, at, well, at this, well, at this time, <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm it, not John it, Cena. Taiwan's real. <laughs> Fuck China. Well, 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 at this time, uh, Taiwan is officially China, and they hold the United Nations seat and Security Council seat until uh, 1975. 
not that spineless pussy John Cena. I respect. <laughs> I, yeah, I respect uh, him doing that because I mean he's just. Uh, he has no choice, really. He had no choice. I mean, he. The fuck do you mean? He'd he's get no fired. Choice. He could very easily he'd be like, fired. No, "I'm not doing that shit." He'd get fired. He would, okay. He'd lose his job. Okay. Look, if you're he'd... as committed to the kayfabe lifestyle as John Cena, bro, you really think that John Cena couldn't just hey, go on is... and have like a fucking tele a telethon and be like, "Hey, I stood up to China," and the chuds would not slingshot money at him, bro? He'd be on Easy Street. Yeah, but he didn't. He wouldn't want even that. have to go on. To... But listen, he doesn't even have to go on the chud grift train. He just has to say, "Hey, shoot me some cash," because I'm out of work now because the Chinese kind of stepped Look, on my neck. Cena had that kind of like rebellious thing going for him for his character for a while but he has never been anything more than a wwe stooge like he's a stooge he's gonna tow the company line and he's gonna do everything that he needs to do to stay gainfully employed and not cause problems it's unfortunate because he's like really funny too he's a good dude he's like the make a wish guy you know like there's all that stuff but i mean he's great much uh, much as the the suicide squad yeah it's peacemaker yeah we i I couldn't start watching it i'm waiting this um but as um as the song the theme song of Triple H says, you know, you got to play the game. Yeah, it says time uh, time to play the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, so prisoners who uh, who did not wish to go back to their home countries would be given ninety days to stay in a neutral compound in the DMZ near the uh, near the truce uh, town of uh, Panmunjom um, to uh, decide if they want to go through with it. Um, uh, the armistice that would end uh, the Korean War uh, would be signed on July 27, 1953, um, although uh, South Korea never signed it, um, and the, uh, the main prisoner exchange would proceed after that point. Hey, real quick, going back a second. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> did Triple H really marry Stephanie McMahon, or was that just the storyline? No, they're, no, they're, they're really married. married. Yeah, they are yeah. really married? Okay. They have, like, four kids. Holy shit! His fucking balls still work after all those fucking steroids? Just barely. Well, his his heart does. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a he's such a piece of shit. He is. Um, I was just curious. There, there was because there was like an interview, like cause they said about why uh, China is it wasn't in the Hall of Fame or like why don't they do anything to like remember a memory? And he said because he didn't want his children to Google her. Wait, what? Yeah, cause she did those uh, porn uh, movies. Okay, wait, what? Yeah, she did some porn, One Night in China. You never heard of that? Yeah. I'm sorry, what's the name of that? Just one so I can know that I never Google China. it. One Night <laughs> in so China. I, just so I know that I never Google it, so I stay far away from it. One Night, one in, night China. in China. Is that China with a Y, right? Yeah. I believe that is correct, <laughs> yes. <sighs> Damn, that's fucking pathetic, though, because she was like a great, like presence in the ring she was awesome like how could you not sit there and be like we're not gonna put her in the hall or at least any sort of remembrance for her she's i believe she's technically in the hall with uh degeneration acts as a member but she doesn't have her own like it doesn't matter because the hall of fame is like a real thing it's just something that wwe does it's just part of like the they, gang yeah like they have all the like they literally have all the shit that they could make a hall of fame but they don't want to like put the money in it because they're like cheap they're cheap carny bastards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Operation Big Switch um, would uh, commence in August of 1953, and it would last into December of 1953. Um, of the uh, the 75,823 
um, or 75,823 communist fighters, um, 70,183 North Koreans, and 5,640 Chinese uh, would be returned to their respective nations. Um, 12,773 UN soldiers, uh, 7,862 South Koreans, 3,597 Americans, and uh, 946 British soldiers uh, were sent back um, south across the armistice line to return to their respective countries. Mm. Um, That's a lot. Over 14,000 communist soldiers, uh, many of them... um, uh, Chinese soldiers who had fought for the Republic of China and the Chinese Civil War uh, refused to repatriate um, and would go to Taiwan. I'm not going back. Um, that, that's one, how they sound, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. And, and this sound. also this 100%. also included uh, North Korean uh, soldiers as well, but the vast majority were um, Chinese soldiers. Okay. Um, uh, one uh, one British soldier and 23 American soldiers, though, along with 327 South, uh, South Koreans, uh, would not return to their homelands and would go to uh, communist countries. 347 people went... Okay, all right. Well, 327 South Koreans. Um, and it's likely I'm just saying that be- total. I'm saying the total number. Yes. Um, so... Uh, Two soldiers as well, a Corporal uh, Claude uh, Bachelor um, and a Corporal Edward uh, Dickinson, um, they changed their minds uh, during their 90-day period of um, deciding if they were going to go through with it. Um, and because of that, uh, both of them were court-martialed and, and sentenced to prison terms. Uh, Bachelor would serve uh, four and a half years um, in military prison, and Dickinson would serve three and a half. Hmm. Yikes, bro. Um, Of the the 22 UN soldiers who stayed with the communists, um, uh, all 21 of the Americans were given dishonorable discharges. Um, But what ends up happening is is that because uh, all of these soldiers, except for four of them, will return, or uh, three of them, will return to the United States. Um, And because of that, it makes them immune to court-martial because they were already given a blanket dishonorable discharge. What happened to the other three? Uh, three of them uh, actually stay. Mm. Why? Um, uh, well, uh, because they... Uh, they uh, we'll, we'll get to they that. They couldn't afford okay. bus fare. <laughs> Greyhound wasn't operating yet. Busan. Um, Busan's very expensive. So, um, they were still considered uh, crim- uh, criminally culpable, uh, for anything that they did in collaboration uh, with um, the with the enemy forces and any any sort of crimes they committed against uh, POWs um, while they were POWs, um, but that wasn't the case for any of them. So at Wait, four a.m., say that again. Yeah, that was, like, a, I that was I think, a very oddly phrased sentence. Yeah, I would, that that if they had actually committed crimes against their own their own country like they committed military offenses or if they had committed offenses against fellow POWs while in um, while in uh, while in internment like for instance if they had been working for the communists mm-hmm. as sort of like capos and they had uh, they had done things to prisoners okay. they would be considered uh, culpable for those criminally oh, got it got right. it sorry um, so on February 24th Don't 19 be sorry I didn't get it either I was confusing as fuck 1954 <laughs> at 4am in the morning um, a train carrying uh, the the 21 American defectors crossed uh, across the Yellow River into China 
It's um, gotta be yellow. Yalu. The Yalu. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's the. This is the river that borders. Uh, North Ryan, Korea you need to study up China. on your Chinese rivers, you son of a. <laughs> Sorry, that <laughs> was on me. <laughs> I mean, they teach um, in third grade. Oh god, no! The only river we heard ever learned about was the Yangtze River. Yeah. I'm sure I'm not even pronouncing that correctly. Now you're good. Um, the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't even try to pronounce it again. You're fine. That's good. That's good. You can't you find it worse than that, but I don't even want to see you try. You're fine. You're, um, you're good. The. Uh, Steve, how do you pronounce Yangtze? Yangtze. Uh, yeah, Yonkers? It's, Yonkers. it's the Yonkers River? What? Yeah, as long as, 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 long as you'll get into yeah. some some Andy Rooney breakfast at Tiffany's level I'm a shit. We're fine. Paradox. Um, <laughs> um, all of these men, they were given, um, they, they were sent off to study uh, the Chinese language and giving courses on, on sort of like the, the, the Marxist politics of China. Um, and they would, um, and they would all be eventually sent off. Uh, most of them to work in mills, factories, and farms across eastern China. Hmm. Okay. Um, most of them uh, would eventually return um, to uh, the United States, either from a, an inability to learn the Chinese language, um, or for some of them, uh, eventually dealing with the growing uh, xenophobia and racism that would come with the Cultural Revolution against uh, foreigners, uh, especially Americans. Um, okay. Of the of the four that didn't return to the West, uh, one died of natural causes um, soon after arriving in China in 1954. Uh, one of them would marry a um, a Czech uh, a Czech Slovak citizen, um, and they would die eventually in Slovakia in 1996. Um, one of them continued to live in China until he died in 2004, um, and one of them is possibly still alive in China, but we're not entirely sure. Because with a lot of these guys, they're just sort of like integrated into Chinese society. They're not really like like prisoners. Like like some of them would marry Chinese women. Um, and and again, like I said, most of them are able to sort of like return to the United States. Um, and the majority of them are able to return without any sort of like ill consequences. Um, some of some of them are also able to sort of like petition the government and get their dishonorable discharge changed to a less. Um, a less sort of damaging discharge status, because if you have a dishonorable discharge, it's the equivalent of like of like being like a felon. Yeah. Like it's, I, I think it's honestly like probably worse than being a felon because I don't think a dishonorable discharge goes away like like a felony does. Um, the the one British national, um, he he sort of like leaves because he almost kind of gets kicked out. Because he's too much of a of a of a problem causer, like he's he's somewhat of an alcoholic, and and he also likes to um, sort of uh, uh, flirt and and carry on uh, dalliances with with young women, uh, which they frown upon. Like you um, do because. Because because China even during the communist period is a very conservative society, um, so, so they don't really like that kind of behavior. Yeah. Um, ev- eventually, though, um, the the next sort of groups of people that that tend to get um, sort of kidnapped um, by uh, the the North Koreans are, are South Korean fishermen. Um, the first such group was in May twenty eighth, uh, was on May twenty eighth, nineteen fifty five. Um, a group of fishermen on a ship called the uh, Daesung Ho um, 
the, these ten fishermen, um, they have their vessel um, hijacked by North Koreans, and they are uh, essentially taken prisoner. Um, and and numerous other after this uh, vessels are are taken um, are, are sort of captured by the North Koreans. Um, in total, uh, three thousand six hundred ninety six fishermen um, and a hundred and about one hundred and twenty fishing boats are are seized by the North Koreans. Um, after after protests from the South Korean government, uh, the North Koreans eventually repatriate um, three thousand two hundred and sixty two of these fishermen. Um, That's a lot of fishermen. And and a, and a, an additional six fishermen are also returned home um, between two thousand and two thousand seven. Um, although uh, four hundred and twenty seven fishermen are still believed to be held in North Korea. Hmm. Um, the first American um, to defect. Um, uh, properly is a private um, abshier. That sounds so familiar. Um, his full name is Larry Allen um, Abshier. Um, he's originally not ready f- for those first. Huh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Larry Allen, and I'm a communist. <laughs> and and he was uh, and, and you might not be too off with that uh, with that inflection. Um, he was uh, he's originally from um, Urbana, Illinois. Um, and that uh, he was a member of the first reconnaissance squadron, Ninth uh, Cavalry, First uh, Cavalry Division, um, and he would abandon his post in South Korea at Bay of 1969 um, when he uh, crept away from his base and crossed the DMZ into North Korea. Why though? Um, we're not entirely sure uh, why. It's believed that because he he claimed that he couldn't go back home, that that he was that he had issues with his uh, stepfather. Uh, wanting to kill him, so he'd stay in North Korea. What? Um. So, because he's he's um. It, it, from what everybody says about him, he's not a very bright guy. So his idea Clearly. is that, that his idea is that he's gonna he's gonna do this. Um. Probably spend some time in North Korea and eventually go to the Soviet Union. Because you have to remember that by this time, um, other Americans had famously sort of defected to the Soviet Union and eventually come back. Um, Lee Harvey Oswald being one of them. Oh, listen, he's a whole thing, Lee Harvey, man. Like, he's a whole episode in himself. I, I, I don't even... Oh, God. But, um, regardless, they, they, they eventually did not expect to be spending the rest of their lives in North Korea. That was not part of the plan. They're, they're not, they're not communists for one thing, and he, they're not planning on, you know, living in the workers' paradise of North Korea. Um, and so for about three months, um, he is the only person, um, and this is an early, um, this is an early, uh, 1962, um, that he, um, that he defects over. Um, he's one of the, um, he's one of the first and only for about three months. Okay. Um, after that. Um, he's joined by a another defector who defects in that August, um, named uh, Dresnok. Dresnok, much cooler name first and foremost. Yeah, that's pretty cool. His his full name is Larry Allen Dresnok. Um, another Larry Allen? Or not? Not Larry Allen. Um, James Joseph Dresnok. What is what? Okay. Yeah, that's his like full name. I don't think he goes by James Joseph. Okay. Um, but he, um, but he defects later on in August 12th of 1962. 
Like you do. Um, and and um, so what happens is is that uh, Dreznok defects um, because uh, he um, he has a lot of legal problems that he wants to get out of. Um, so his plan is also just to sort of like run to there rather than go to military prison. I keep getting like the late December 1963 stuck in my head now. <laughs> Whenever you say <laughs> anything, I don't know why my brain is um, doing it. But um, <laughs> Dreznok himself was born in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, and his, uh, he, he had a pretty messed up, uh, home life. Um, his father was Joseph Dresnock and his mother was, uh, Margaret. Um, am I supposed to know who they are? Huh? I don't think anybody with a nice home life is defecting to North Korea, but, but sure they, they are. were, uh, his, his parents were, uh, were, were married on, uh, May 3rd, uh, 1941. Um, and, uh, his father, uh, Father himself had served in the uh, the military from 1937 to 1940, um, and that his parents had gotten divorced in 1951. Um, his his father, which is which is not very common for that time period, um, his father uh, would have divorced uh, what, divorced divorce? his mother. Yeah, yeah, divorce was rare, right? Uh, with claiming that uh, that his mother was uh, was legally married to another man. Um, so Dreznok would briefly be raised by his father in Pennsylvania, um, and his, uh, mother and younger brother, um, would never really, uh, come into contact with him, him after that. Um, Dreznok would eventually be placed in a foster home, um, and he would join the army, uh, the day after his 17th birthday, um, which was in 1958. Uh, his first military service was two years in West Germany. Um, but after returning to the United States, he found out that his uh, wife um, had left him for another man. Um, so he re-enlisted in the army and was sent to North or South Korea. What happened uh, to fucking somebody else? Well, all right. Let me sign he back was up. A, um, he was a private first class. Um, <laughs> also with the 1st Cavalry Division um, along the demilitarized zone. So he was from the same uh, division as um, Abshir. I just see Grandpa Simpson in that meme. He just walks in. Hey there, honey, you fucking somebody else. All right, grab his hat. Oh, well, I'm leaving. See you then. <laughs> he just walks um, back out. <laughs> so what, but what eventually happens is soon after he arrives, um, he finds that he's facing a court-martial for forging uh, signatures on uh, paperwork that would give him uh, leave from base. Um, so because he's, um, he's caught forging uh, leave slips... He decides that um, on August 15, 1962, um, while his uh, while the soldiers in his unit are eating lunch, um, that he would that he was going to run across the minefield um, that separated the DMZ, which he did um, in broad daylight into North Korea, um, where he is quickly apprehended. Wait, and this is Dresnok? Yeah. Okay. Um, he was uh, he was taken by train to Pyongyang, um, and he was interrogated there. Um, Dresnok, who was interviewed in, in 2006, there's actually a documentary about him called Crossing the Line. Um, he says, I was fed up, I was fed up with my childhood, my marriage, my military life, everything. I was finished. There's only one place to go. North fucking Korea. (laughs) On August, on August 15th at noon in broad daylight, when everyone was eating lunch, I hit the road. Yes, I was afraid. Am I going to live or die? And when I stepped into the minefield and I seen it with my own eyes, I started sweating. I crossed over looking for my new life. Um, so there's been multiple people that have crossed this minefield in the DMZ. How can we be sure there's even mines in that in the ground over there? Well, if you if it's from if it's your side's mines, 
they generally have maps of where the mines are so that when it comes time to like invade North Korea, you you know like where to like remove them. You know where your mines are, but you don't yeah. know where their mines are. But he was he was able to get uh to get lucky because he probably crossed over one of the shorter areas. Super fucking lucky. Um, so soon after his arrival, uh, Dresnok meets uh, Abshir. That brings up a um, really interesting point, actually. Like, if you just say there's a minefield and you're a brutal, brutal enough regime, everyone's gonna believe you, right? Yeah, like prove there's not mines there. Yeah. Well, there there also are like there's mines from both sides. Yeah. Okay, but that just means that we definitively know one side has mines. That's all that means. <laughs> yeah, but it but it means that it's dangerous regardless. Look, I I have been playing Minesweeper no shit the entire time we've been doing this podcast. So, because <laughs> uh, I'm a big no, fan. Uh, Minesweeper, or as known in Korea, the DMZ. <laughs> oh my god, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, it's awful. Um. So after that, um. Comes in 1963, another soldier decides to defect. Late December, back in 63, um, <laughs> became a communist emigree. Keep it going, don't stop! <laughs> I remember 63. That's all I got. <laughs> when Pong Yang made a citizen out of me. <laughs> Uh, you didn't see that coming, did you, Steve? <laughs> He's sitting there furiously googling what rhymes with me. <laughs> this rap dictionary is useless. What the fuck is my Scrabble dictionary? This Yo, rhyming he, dictionary. He would he would bust out with something in Chinese, and we would both just have to sit here and be like, "All right, boo shoo when yan one day." Another another soldier, uh, Jerry Wayne Parrish. Would cross over what is with these rednecks crossing over? I do They're from fucking Arkansas. Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> um, uh, Dresnok, uh, or um, uh, the fourth one that we'll get to, uh, Charles Robert Jenkins, what he wrote the book about his time in in North Korea and got out. Um, he wrote of Jerry Wayne Parrish uh, that that Parrish didn't elaborate on on like why he was um, crossing over. But he elaborated it was um, that was probably had to do with uh, issues at home. So, um, were these all roughly around the same time that they were all crossing over? Yeah, and, Dr- and Dresnok would claim in the in the documentary crossing over that the reason why Parrish uh, crossed over was because of um, he was accused of having sexual relations with his stepsister. Mm. Um, but other than that, we don't really know much about Parrish. Um, the one that's really, um, the one that's really big that we know most about is, um, Sergeant Charles Robert Jenkins. Okay. Um, Jenkins was born, uh, in 1940 in Rich Square, North Carolina. Um, he would join the, uh, Army National Guard in 1955 at the age of 15, um, Oof. by lying about his age. Um, he would join the regular army in 1958. Um, and he was assigned to the 1st Cavalry Division. Um, he would serve in South Korea from 1960 to 1961 in West Germany, and then from 1962 to 1965 um, in South Korea, and again uh, from 1964 to 1965. 
Um, Jenkins was assigned to uh, night patrols, um, but he became increasingly alarmed because this is getting into um, early 1965 at the prospect of being sent to fight in Vietnam, where, where he believed that he would uh, that he would most likely die. Which so the- this she's probably not even close to wrong. On the evening of uh, January 4th, 1965, um, he would, in his own words, uh, guzzle 10 beers uh, to sort of build up the courage and cross the border into North Korea and surrender to forces there. Guzzling 10 beers does not build up courage. It just builds up dumbness. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh. That's that's how you, uh, that's how you like, Leroy Jenkins through a minefield. Yeah, Leroy if you, you 10 <laughs> Jenkins. Um, but uh, Jenkins' hope was that um, he would be sent to the Soviet Union, and then um, through a prisoner exchange, he would eventually be returned to the United States. Um, but what had happened was what, because what did he have money on this trip, like what? Well, because remember the the previous guys that had uh, defected, they were all lower ranking. They were all like privates. Like nobody gives a shit about a pirate uh, private. Yeah. Um, it, it's like Stalin's quote about his son. It's like, why would I trade a sergeant for a general? Um, Oof. So, God damn. Yeah, man, was, uh, that's a dad right there. <laughs> um, but surely after he defects, um, or he crosses over, uh, North Korean propaganda begins going on about a, a sergeant defecting um, and, broad, and broadcast statements allegedly made by him. Um, also reportedly in stilted English. Because um, a lot of this is like literally broadcasted over the DMC. They have like huge speakers where they stilted like play English. propaganda at each other. You mean like uh, like Cockney? <laughs> <laughs> like like somebody whose English is not their first language. I know. I just, reading I'm it. just being a jerk. <laughs> you jag off. <laughs> you jag off. Jag off. Did you just fucking call me a jack? A jag off. That is a. Gr- I haven't heard that word in a long time, man. That's crazy. Fucking jag. It's like calling someone a butthole. You know, it's like you don't yeah. you don't hear it in re- everyday speech. It's a very it's a very regional insult. Butthole. Yeah. yeah. It's very it's very uh like Pittsburgh. Last time I heard butthole was in Better Call Saul. You know. Yeah. Yeah, butthole. <laughs> um the the U.S. Army would claim that Jenkins. <laughs> Keep going, dude. Um, Just that, talk over that, me. That Jenkins wrote four letters stating his intention to defect, uh, which Jenkins denies. Um, and but the uh, but the letters are, have been quote unquote reportedly lost. It's just the what's his name from uh, I think you should leave. I didn't write shit. I didn't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, his his relatives um, throughout most of his um, time in, in North Korean uh, custody would claim that he was abducted. Um, and a lot of information about his status was unavailable um, so why for many did, years. Why didn't we due talk to the about him last week of, of North Korea? When we did our last episode because technically he was abducted <laughs> by non grays <laughs> uh, Sorry. Um, for about seven years, from 1965 until 1972, um, him and the other three deserters are, are forced to live in a one-room house with no running water. Um, where they are made to study the the Juche uh, philosophy of North Korea, which is sort of like the weird. It, it means like self reliance in Korean, and it's like the weird sort of like pseudo communism that the North Korean regime pushes. Hmm. Like you do. Um, 
Um, <laughs> they would be they would be forced to memorize large passages of um, of Kim Il Sung, who at that time is like the founder and leader of North Korea, his writings, um, and they would be beaten frequently by their guards. Um, during this time as well, um, uh, Jenkins would say that uh, Dresnok would bully Abshir. Um, by making, um, by like sort of like making a mess and like making um, Abshire clean it up, like that type of like bully level stuff. Okay. Um, All right. Mm-hmm. Jenkins, uh, Jenkins, Jenkins would <laughs> categorize Abshire as a, a quote unquote a simple, sweet, good hearted soul who was more than a little dumb and easy to take advantage of. So these these six soldiers that defected all like Four. knew each other. Four. four sorry four soldiers they don't defected. they don't know each other but they're forced to like live with each other and so they they like as prisoners together they sort of get to know each other okay but but dresdok being like a bully he takes advantage of of Abshir and sort of like takes out his like anger on him okay um they would participate in propaganda efforts for the north korean government um they would appear on magazine covers and they would also uh, make messages for the loudspeakers on the dmz to persuade uh, more u.s soldiers to defect Okay. Um, uh, Dresnok would uh, refer to Abshir as uh, Lenny during this time um, after the character from uh, from Of Mice and Men. Hey, Matt. Lenny, stand on my chest. <laughs> um, um, Abshir himself would, would never uh, stand up to the bullying um, um, until uh, Jenkins convinced him to do so. Um, eventually, um, uh Dresdok would try to, uh, quote-unquote, make a move on, on Abshir, uh, but Jenkins defended him by beating uh, Dresdok, um, and then after that, Dresdok would begin to sort of uh, focus his animosity on Jenkins. Jenkins! Um, in his book, um, Jenkins claims uh, that, uh, that Dresdok himself was also not only a bully, but he would also betray the other Americans' uh, confidences to him to the North Koreans, um, that he also would, um, he had also beaten up Jenkins on thirty or more occasions on the orders of his uh, Korean handlers. God damn! Just um, whooping his ass, <laughs> but kick Dresdok, his ass, sea bass. But Dresdok uh, denies all of these allegations. Obviously, of course he would. Um, so at at one point in 1966, um, the four uh, were able to make their way to the the Soviet embassy in Pyongyang where they attempted to request asylum in the Soviet Union, uh, which was subsequently denied by the Soviets, and they were immediately turned over to the North Korean authorities. Take the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, eventually, uh, Jenkins would be moved to separate housing, and he would begin to teach English at um, the Pyongyang University of Foreign Studies. So I'm assuming that they have, at some point, interviewed this uh this chap right well well jenkins jenkins not to spoil the next episode he gets out okay he he um he dies outside of um uh, north korean custody in uh japan well how's this you don't even have to use names and you don't have to tell me which one we're talking about but i feel like all these dudes have to have have been uh interviewed by somebody about this entire event, you know, why did you do this? You know, what, what, what are you, what are you thinking, bro? Uh, I'm Dresdok's. Um, so listen, aside from the answer of, I'm from fucking Arkansas. Okay, what, what is the overarching theme of why these dudes did it? Like, well, is there one strand that kind of connects well, them all. Well, there, uh, for for most of them, it seemed to be escaping some sort of uh, trouble. 
Okay. Um, for instance, like Dreszok was facing a court martial, and, and he didn't want to go to military prison, so he defected. Um, Jenkins thought he was going to be sent off to Vietnam to die, so he didn't want to do that. Um, and the others as well seemed that they seemed to be escaping some sort of uh, personal trouble um, without fully realizing what would happen to them. Gotcha. Because remember, no one had really done this before, and they don't know anything about North Korea. Yeah, it's not like now, where, like where we know what North Korea is. They they just kind of they just thought it was better than they, whatever. They, they just took their chance. Yeah. It was it was their equivalent of like fleeing to Mexico. Good God. Um. So what happens is is that because they're they're sort of stuck here, uh, the the North Koreans sort of realize that if if they're around, there's a possibility that they could begin um, fraternizing with North Korean women, uh, because the North Korean regime is incredibly racist. Um, they don't want any sort of miscegenation to go on. Um, so what they do is they give all four of them a North Korean woman um, to be their, their cook and sort of their minder, and, and also to take care of any sort of like sexual needs they may have. Um, okay. the, these women were chosen because the North Koreans believed that they were infertile, and that they were all, um, and that they were all um, divorced, um, that they were all divorcees from uh, from multiple years of of not having children. Uh, but but what happens is is that um, that the woman that that sort of abshares minder she becomes pregnant. Um, she and all the others are, are taken away after that point. So she was fertile. Yeah, fertile they, myrtle. They, they called her fertile they, myrtle over there. The, I guess like the gynecological sciences in the sixties, let alone uh, North Korea, are not good enough. To I think tell, like you know. North Korea is just some guy who said he was an expert at it and just kind of <laughs> took a look up there. You know, <laughs> just like well, put the speculum <laughs> in and I'll let you know. Let me take a look. Uh, nope, she's good. She can't have anything. Um, the next high profile. Um, sort of abduction that takes place during this period is that in December of 1969, uh, North Korean agents hijack a South Korean airliner, um, airliner uh, YS-11, um, that was traveling from Wonsan um, to uh, Kangnung uh, 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 to Seoul. It was the summer uh, of 69 um, Of those of those an airliner um, All all 51 uh, persons aboard and were I'm taken into now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're change take, my politics to red um well not not so fast Steve. my country's uh, so, out of cows because uh <laughs> of the of the 59 or the 51 uh crew members or, or persons that were in the the in the airplane um, 39 of them are returned in February of 1970. Um, the remaining 11, uh, there were 11 that would remain um, detained in North Korea. Hmm. Um, we, we don't know much about what happened to them. Uh, apparently, the, the pilot and the assistant pilot got um, sort of were given positions within the North Korean Air Force. Um, and two of the stewardesses uh, aboard became announcers for uh, North Korean broadcasts that were directed towards uh, South Korean audiences. I s- okay, I see. Um, most of the passengers um, were um, were upper class because you know they were flying on a plane in 1969 mm-hmm. um, in in South Korea. Um, uh, a former uh, member of the National Intelligence Service. Uh, 
Song uh, Yong In, um, he said that the um, he said that the the sort of committee um, for the families of these people who had been um, taken um, that met in 2008 that they were probably uh, retained by North Korea for their propaganda value, while the others were let go for not being as valuable. Um, a, a defector from North Korea, Oh Kilnam, um, he he said in um, after defecting in 1986, he said that he met the two flight attendants as well as um, as two broadcasting employees from uh, uh, Monhua uh, Broadcasting Corporation, uh, Huang um, and Gim, who were employed making propaganda broadcasts. Um, and later that he heard uh, from his daughter that the captain and his uh, first officer, uh, again, those that I mentioned, were working for the Korean People's Air Force. Um, we can't sort of independently verify that, but that's sort of like the insider information about what happened to them. Okay. Uh, one of the flight attendants, uh, Seong uh, Gyeonghui, um, her mother was allowed to visit uh, the North in 2001 to see her daughter as part of um, the sort of agreement that they had um, between North and South Korea that there could be family reunions. And this happened on June 15th at the... Um, at the North-South uh, Joint Declaration. Um, Seong had said that the other flight attendant, uh, Jong uh, Gyeong-suk, uh, that, they, that they still remained friends and that they were living in the same town together. Really? Um, the, in, in North Korea. Um, at the, uh, the, 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 <laughs> I, thought, I thought you meant Canada. <laughs> at the, uh, in Sheboygan. <laughs> we were like, we were like, really? And it's like in, in North Korea. So I'm They're sure they were in like. Point Pleasant together. You don't exactly. No, Ryan like, said really in the same way, like, you know, when you're talking to someone and you're not really, like, in the conversation, you just say, that's crazy. No, that's because I say. say that's crazy when I'm not in the conversation. <laughs> Good point. All right. I get you. Um, the, I just the, didn't know that they were going to be, like, bro code like that for so long. I was going to get your back. Man. I don't know what he said. I was fishing on my iPhone. Oh, my so. God. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't caught anything projecting yet. Projecting asshole. <laughs> Gaslight obstruct project, bro. Might as well be a Republican <laughs> over here. Um, the, the tail number of the aircraft as well after the incident was retired, which was HL-5208. Uh, uh, um, why'd you give us that detail? <laughs> <laughs> because of, because of like the fact that a plane was hijacked and like essentially kidnapped and because it was, they considered it unlucky because that like tragedy had happened. But oh. these 11 people are still being held prisoner by North Korea. Uh, uh, did TWA retire flight 800? I don't <laughs> think so. Okay. Did no, they just, Delta? they just retired TWA. So did you, did you guys retire flight 93? <laughs> <laughs> He's got you there. <laughs> Shit. That took a second. Did United retire flight 93? I don't think so. Still serving daily for Philly to Boston. Um, again, <laughs> he just still he's like, no, fuck that, not touching it. <laughs> I ain't, I ain't touching that. You know, some things are sacred, Ryan. No one near that one. All I gotta say is, you know, me and me and Mark Wahlberg, if we were on that point, things would have went differently. <laughs> yeah, if the hijackers were fucking Southeast Asian. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Sorry, these hijackers were Middle Eastern. You're in the shit, Mark Wahlberg. 
Oh, cool. You got a box shutter. What are you going to do with that, huh? Speaking, I, I do love the fact that apparently Mark Wahlberg is going on the uh, the, the Christian movie circuit now, but it's no. Catholic movies with like Mel no. Gibson. Because he God did that like Father it. Stew movie, and now he's like, he only wants to do religious movies for a while. God damn it. Oh, Mark Wahlberg is slowly becoming a fucking loon. Or at least it's just slowly coming out. He's always been a loon, I guess. It's just slowly coming out. Um, so what might be um, sort of a sort of a, a harbinging of things to come, um, between 1977 and 1978, uh, the North Koreans abduct five South Korean high school students. Kill what? Uh, so these, these high school students disappear... And they had they had been sort of regarded as missing missing persons, but it's learned in the 1990s uh, through the testimonies of North Korean spies that they that they had been um, that that those uh, high school students have been working in North Korea as instructors, uh, teaching the basics of sort of South Korean uh, culture and lifestyle uh, to undercover North Korean operatives. Yeah. Did they allegedly get abducted as a group or individually? They, they were just sort of grabbed individually, I believe, mostly okay. just like, um, which is a lot of what happens with the Japanese people we'll talk about in the, the second episode, is yeah. that there are people from like coastal communities, and they, they were just sort of grabbed and drugged and like thrown on boats. From coastal communities. Can you imagine the North Koreans snatching up like a group of four, the, like the mean girls? Bro, it would be exactly 32 business minutes before that van is careening back in front of the high school with the open back doors kicking in the fuck. Get the fuck out! <laughs> I can see these assholes on the ground like, oh, is he so mean? God damn. Wow. Um, and it's it's also it's also um, sort of known, I, though I don't know how well verified it is, is that the husband of one of the Japanese abductees, uh, Yokoto uh, Megumi was one of these uh, South Korean high school students, uh, Kim Yong Nam. Well, I'm sorry. Did you say that she was the wife of somebody? Yeah, that that eventually, because because what eventually ends up happening, not not to spoil in the next episode, Ooh, but eventually the wife or is the wife eventually became the wife because ah. they're both sort of in captivity Remember, and like Ryan, you spontaneously become wife. Sorry, he become wife. Yeah, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> You go well, into your listen, wife phase. Listen, I, I, I'd be I'd be slow before we cut jokes there, Mister Three Hundred Sixty Degree uh, Neck Rotation. Well, you know, I got in front of that owl, and I don't know how I did it. You know, the owl turned its head three hundred and sixty degrees because I was so fast. Right. Who who was the girl that was uh, in the Exorcist? What was her name? Uh, uh, Maud Flanders. I don't remember. Oh my, I hate you so much. I can't remember her name. Uh, I said Carol Ann Lovelace, and I know it's not that Carol Ann. It's Linda something, I think. It's not Linda Lovelace, though. No, Linda Lovelace. She was all about the boobies. Um, yeah, who was it? I can't remember. She... The Exorcist. Linda. It's got to be like Linda Blair. It's Linda Blair. Yeah, it's it's Linda Blair. Yeah. 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 Yep. As soon as I started typing in Linda, I'm like, it's Linda Blair. Yep. I was thinking about What's-Her-Face from, um, was it Different Strokes? Yeah. No, that's when I use my left hand. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the one, the one who got like, got like addicted to drugs or whatever. If if you were on a TV show in the eighties, I mean, you you got yeah, addicted you're to either, drugs. You you're, know? By by now, you're either dead or you're like a crazy Christian fundamentalist. Yeah. Oh my god. Ricky <laughs> Schroeder. you. Ricky, we're talking Ricky about Schroeder. Kirk, Kirk Cameron. Uh, Kirk Cameron. Yeah. yeah. The banana is proof that God loves us. And Kirstie the, Alley and her son Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force. The most, the most sort of famous of these abductions 
um, of, of sort of South Korean individuals is that in February of 1978, um, a South Korean actress, uh, Choi uh, Yon-hee, um, and her uh, and her uh, husband, who's a film director, uh, Shin uh, Song Song Ok, were uh, kidnapped in Hong Kong and and taken to uh, North Korea. Um, they they had been drugged and abducted under the orders of Kim Jong Il, um, who at that time is not leader of, of North Korea, but is but is sort of establishing himself in order to eventually become the leader when his father uh, Kim Il Sung dies. Mm. Um, and one of the projects, um, if you know anything about Kim Jong Il, is that he's somewhat obsessed with film, and he thinks one of the areas in which to improve to to sort of show his mark as as sort of like not being in his father's shadow is to improve the North Korean film industry. So he abducts this this actress and director who who are husband and wife that he likes um, in in order to have them um, make movies with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so he he has them working on movies. Um, Shin uh, would attempt to escape, um, but he would spend uh, five years in a reeducation camp after attempting to do so. Um, uh, while working in North Korea, they would make a number of movies. Um, including the monster movie uh, Pogasari, uh, which is a movie about sort of like a Godzilla-type creature. Ooh, what's it called? Uh, Pogasari. P-U-L-G-A-S-A-R-I. It's a Pogasari. Always looking for more monster movies to add to the collection. Um, but there's a um, there, there's a lot written about this. There's there's like a, a number of like documentaries and, and books about them because um, both of them are able to escape in April of 1984, um, or uh, in, in 1986. I'm sorry, they're able to escape um, in April of 1984. Though uh, they they get in trouble because the the South Korean government um, states that they're working on um, propaganda that glorifies the the regime of North Korea, which is like a, a serious crime in in South Korea um, at that time. Um, even even today, you can't really say anything good about uh, North Korea because that that can land you like jail time. Uh, there's okay. there's a lot of there's a lot of laws still on the book because technically they're still at war, and there's a lot of laws on the book left over from the the military and fascist dictatorships that ruled um, South Korea until the 1990s. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're able to escape um, in 1986. Uh, while they're filming in uh, Vienna, mm. um, they're they're able to sort of um, get away from their 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 sort of handlers um, because they had sort of built up enough trust, um, and they're able to get to the embassy where they um, where, where they're able to get asylum. I guess you can poop in the woods. Sure, they hid underneath the gabagool in the catering cart. <laughs> they did. It was some <laughs> thick gabagool <laughs> under the uh, under the, the the kimchi platter. <laughs> God, that must have stunk so bad. Um, during that period as well, um, in 1978, um, Dresnok begins to performing in uh, North Korean propaganda films as a um, as as a sort of like villain American. Um, he was popularly known in a series called Unsung Heroes as an American uh, American villain named Arthur Cockstud. Cockstud. Yeah, um, that's a piercing. From Body Tech down the road. Called a Prince Albert. <laughs> okay. Actually, no. A Prince Albert goes into the urethra and exits down never up the head of the penis, also the known as the meatus. You have the Jacob's Ladder, which he is He never piercing. specified. It's, it's, it's nine piercings down the shaft of the penis with a ball on each side. I never specified. 
Ah. Mr. Dick Piercing over here. Yeah. King <laughs> um, King Dick. Um, King Dingling. Dreslock would say that his uh, that his North Korean friends would call him Arthur after the character. Um, and during this period, he would also uh, translate um, the writings of Kim Il-sung into English, gaining him more um, sort of uh, clout and status within the regime. They would um, call him Arthur after the character, like Arthur the Aardvark? Arthur, after Arthur Cockstud, his... Uh. Uh, his, his character, which uh, Dreznok plays a lot of like evil American capitalist characters or even or evil uh, American military officer. Um, usually when the uh, I believe some of the other defectors did as well, but he's the most notable because he very leans into uh, working for the North Koreans while the other ones don't. Um, and we'll, we'll sort of leave off there in, in 1978. Because uh, what sort of seems to happen, we're not entirely sure, because a lot of the goings-on of the regime in North Korea, we, we don't really know why certain things were done. But but I believe in sort of uh, Kim Jong-il um, gaining more and more influence, and also North Koreans becoming uh, more and more sort of cut off from the outside world um, in, in order to sort of carry on espionage and, and other projects. They need to bring in outsiders to, to sort of act as experts and they can't just sort of, you know, bring people in um, legally. So they do so extra legally. And this begins sort of a period in the late seventies um, into the eighties where they begin abducting people. Um, and this will also play into the defectors. Wow. That's crazy. All right. Uh, I'm going to need a list of the people you mentioned because I got lost. So, uh, <laughs> so I can put them in the title of the show. <laughs> you said, uh, Pat Sajak. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Vanna White, Alex Trebek, John Voight, <laughs> and Steve Harvey. And the Batman symbol. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, later. Later. We'll see you in a couple weeks.